Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to No Confidence. I'm your host, David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do. On a planet far, far away where the law matters, it doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. It's December 21st of 2022. Congress, the January 6th committee, uh, boards of buffoons, two Republicans, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, decided that they should refer Donald Trump to the DOJ for uh, criminal charges. It's in the chat, the first document in the chat right there. The uh, criminal referral. And uh, <laughs> there are things that you have to do before you allege criminal misconduct. I'm going to give you a page on the web. And it has citations about criminal intent. I'm on takefromcaesar.us, and I scroll down the page under the picture of the check, left-hand side links, don't say threat. Here comes that link. On that page, you'll find references to criminal intent, probable cause. Let's go there now. Don't say threat until you know this about how that term is misused and about the associated risks. We aren't going to look at the threat content of this page, but rather scroll down to see it's below halfway. You have in red print the uh, email message and below that directly below that. Look at that indented paragraph from United States versus Alonis 2015 Supreme Court, of course. And right below that, 2019 Supreme Court. And right below that, 2009 Supreme Court. And below that, 2016 Supreme Court. Uh, We're only going to read mostly the uh, bold and italicized portions. And then right below that, Gasho versus U.S. And uh, we're going to touch on these to get a bearing on what Congress is supposed to do before it says somebody has committed a crime. Now, uh, let's see. All of you are on the computer. Good. I can copy and paste some of this to you. Um, Well, no, let's just read it. Uh, I look at the red paragraphs at the middle of that page. And right below that. Is the email illegal? Do not resist indicates a desire and intent that nobody incur an injury of any type. By law indicates a belief that it is legal to arrest the felon. Identify indications that the essential elements of the threat statute are borne 
out by the language of the email above. Is there criminal intent when a statute that authorizes the arrest of a felon is actually cited directly in the email? Is a lawful arrest, quote, lawful arrest, an act of unlawful violence? Is these citizens a, pers a first person reference? So that it's going down a list of essential things uh, you need to have to be guilty under 875C. That's a threat to injure, uh, to kidnap or injure the body of another. So with some of that in mind, uh, especially, is the email illegal? Do not resist indicates a desire and intent that nobody be injured. Uh, Donald Trump said, uh, hey, I got 20,000 National Guard troops available if you want them. Nancy Pelosi said, nah, he's in charge of the Capitol security. And Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C., said, nah, we don't need him. Why would you supply 25,000 troops to a situation where you wanted to accomplish an insurrection against the government? Doesn't it pretty much mean that uh, when your people get there to do the insurrection, they'll be put down quite easily. Yeah, it does mean that. So Trump obviously had no criminal intent. And when he said, uh, go to the Capitol and peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. He had every reason to believe those doors would be locked. And yet when everybody got to the Capitol, the Capitol Police had the doors open and were waving a bunch of people into the Capitol. Some of them broke a couple things. Others pushed chairs around and, uh, and took the Speaker of the House's uh, lectern, I hear. And uh, there was paper on the ground. And somebody lashed out at the police. But it wasn't an organized insurrection. It was unruly rally goers. And some of them were probably plants. They were there to make sure it was a debacle. Don't hurt anybody. And the only person who got hurt was uh, Ashley. Can't remember her last name right now. Uh, she's the Air Force vet in the crowd that. Uh, uh, was trying to, and I heard that she was smiling when she, she was having a good time, smiling and tried to make it through the busted window on a door inside the Capitol, and she was lethally shot in the neck. So I have indented here, U.S. versus Alonis, bold and italicized, the mental state requirement must therefore apply to the fact that the communication contains a threat. Listen to the requirement of criminal intent, or you're not guilty. Elonis's conviction, however, was premised solely on how his posts would be understood by a reasonable person, not by what was in his mind. Such a reasonable person standard is a familiar feature of civil liability in tort law, but it is inconsistent with the conventional requirement for criminal conduct 
awareness of some wrongdoing. Having liability turn on whether a reasonable person regards the communication as a threat, regardless of what the defendant thinks, reduces culpability on the all-important element of the crime to negligence. And we have long been reluctant to infer that a negligence standard was intended in criminal statutes. Defendant could face liability in a civil action for negligence, but he could only be held criminally for an evil intent actually existing in his mind. I don't know who would need more than that. Uh, If somebody says they need more than that, they got to be a Democrat. Democrats are for decades will be notoriously uh, scorned. Uh, Their conduct is outrageous. They can't reason. They fly off the handle over nothing. And they're willing to build a false case against somebody, especially Congress. Next paragraph indented. We start from a longstanding presumption traceable to the common law that Congress intends to require a defendant to possess a culpable mental state regarding each of the statutory elements that criminalize otherwise innocent conduct. Uh, we normally characterize this interpretive maxim as a presumption in favor of scienter or pre-knowledge that you're doing wrong, by which we mean a presumption that criminal statutes require a degree of knowledge sufficient to make a person legally responsible for the consequences of his or her act or omission. Legally responsible for the consequences? He said, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Next quote from Figueroa, Supreme Court, 2009. The manner in which the courts ordinarily interpret criminal statutes is fully consistent with this ordinary English usage. That is to say, courts ordinarily read the phrase in a criminal statute that introduces the elements of a crime with the word knowingly as applying that word to each element. Uh, For example... This court interpreted a federal food stamp statute that said whoever knowingly uses, transfers, acquires, alters, or possesses coupons or authorization cards in any matter not authorized by law is subject to imprisonment. Question was whether the word knowingly applied to the phrase in any manner not authorized by law. The court held that it did. Despite the legal cliche, quote, Ignorance of the law is no excuse, end quote. The next quote, Torres versus Lynch. Consider the law respecting mens rea or criminal intent. In general, courts interpret criminal statutes to require that a defendant possesses a mens rea or guilty mind as to every element of the offense, not just one element, every one of them. Uh, That is so even when the statute by its terms does not contain any demand of that kind. Next quote is from Gasho. This is Ninth Circuit, 1994. It is fundamental that a person is not criminally responsible unless criminal intent accompanies the wrongful act, citing the Morissette case, 1952, where a man, Morissette, knew of a a, uh, practice bombing range like Minnesota or Michigan. And uh, 
he operated a fruit stand in the summer and uh collected and sold scrap metal in the winter and he went out in the winter deer hunting on this practice bombing range where uh navy planes i think it was would it was 1952 they weren't jets they would drop uh canisters with a little bit of gunpowder in the end and the rest was sand they were made of brass and when they when they hit the ground that gunpowder ignited and left a puff of smoke so the pilot could tell where his uh round or his bomb had landed and morissette got skunked deer hunting he said why don't i recoup some of my losses and he went out on the bombing range and collected a bunch of those brass canisters and took them to his scrap metal business flattened them out chopped them up whatever and then the federal investigators found hey did you take those yeah they're out there rusting away in the rain like they do all year every year what'd you do with them i sold them as scrap metal thanks for your cooperation and he was indicted for uh theft of government property in the supreme court in morissette versus us uh the supreme court remarks that he did everything in the light of day he didn't try to hide a single thing and he figured the property was abandoned and he made full disclosure the moment that the inspectors found him no problem he didn't try to hide anything and so there's a reason to believe that his conduct is innocent or he has an innocent uh uh, explanation it the burdens on the government to prove the opposite i'm going back to uh, u.s versus gasho and morissette right there uh parentheses stating that a crime is the concurrence of an evil meaning mind concurrence of an evil meaning mind with an evil doing hand end quote in parentheses consequently to have probable cause to believe that a crime has been committed you have to have that before you can put the cuffs on, don't you? Way before the criminal complaint. It's when you think a crime's been committed. To have probable cause to act on that suspicion, there, uh, you, uh, to have probable cause to believe that a crime has been committed, an arresting officer would have to reasonably believe that the person intended to violate the statute. This was a case where the government had a vessel in custody and Sharon Gasho to preserve the logs of the captain or the crew at the helm, whatever, boarded the vessel and took the log books and she was charged. And this is the decision on the Ninth Circuit that said, no, to have probable cause that a crime's been committed the arresting officer, not the prosecutor, not the judge, the arresting officer, before he becomes the arresting officer, has to reasonably believe. Reasonable? Did you even ask her if she meant to break the law? You don't ask that. It's not reasonable. You flew off the handle on an inference, officer breath. Now, uh, before we move on to Donald Trump, 
consequently, to have probable cause to believe a crime has been committed, an arresting officer would have to reasonably believe that the person believed they knew they had a duty, they had to file a tax return. They knew and believed of the duty to pay income taxes before they can take their cuffs out. And they never even ask a person. Say, well, the record reflects that you didn't file a tax return. Here's your indictment. That's all they do. And uh, he's, he's waiting for sentencing in the middle of January on six tax evasion counts when he's been the plaintiff nine times, nine lawsuits, three of his own five lawsuits, three of which he took all the way to the Supreme Court and they called him willful. Where's the probable cause that he believes he has a duty? Nowhere. And he was indicted anyway, folks. If they can't handle you with the law, they'll handle you without it. Public servants in, in America are a real small and corrupt sort of deviant brain. And they hate innocent people. Don't forget, and this is nothing new. People that have listened to me for a while have heard me say all that. So uh, now back to Donald Trump. I have open on my computer the first document in the chat today. See what they call that thing. The Select Committee to Investigate the January 6th Attack on the United States Capitol. An attack? Yeah. There are a bunch of people out outside of the Capitol, and the Capitol Police opened the doors. Is that an attack? Or is that a get-together? Come on in. We're the Capitol Police. That's not an attack. Uh, if you've seen Trading Places, uh, where Eddie Murphy occupies the seat in society that Dan Aykroyd had, and he's in Dan Aykroyd's pad and invites a bunch of people over. <laughs> and they put out their ashes on his floor. They made a mess of a couple things. He invited them in. That's what happened on January 6th. Oh, no, it's an insurrection. He tried to overthrow the government. Well, let me tell you something. Okay, there was a bunch of stuff on the floor and a few windows got broken and uh, one lady was shot by the police not as part of the attack. Uh, it wasn't an attack, but it was the police that killed one of the attackers. Well, little did I know until that point in time that I'm an insurrectionist. 1978, Everett, Washington. Hey, we're throwing a great big Christmas party or New Year's party or whatever in this house that we rent. B-Y-O-T-I. What the heck? Bring your own B-Y-O-T-I. What did that stand for? Well, I was on the track team. The house was rented by one of the members of the track team or several. B-Y-O-T-I. T-I stands for throwing implement. If you have a discus or a javelin or a shot put, bring it to the party. And people brought their throwing implements to the party. And they threw javelins, discuses, and shot puts through the walls, through the doors, through the windows. 
and the insurrection I was a part of. I didn't do any throwing. I'm a high jumper. I can't. <laughs> anyway, um, the the insurrection ended when somebody threw the javelin through the window from the inside of the house and it went over the fence into the uh, window on the neighboring house, crashed through it and skipped across their coffee table <laughs> at like one in the morning. And, uh, and that brought the cops, I tell you. So I'm an insurrectionist because that's all that happened at the Capitol. And uh, we should have all been sent to prison for life for trying to overthrow the government. <laughs> you got to spare me. So anyway, second page, page two. Uh, they get into the testimony, the uh, actual quotes from folks that uh, um, uh, have had hearings on their criminal complaint, maybe folks who have already been sentenced. I'm going to the second half of the second page has two on the bottom of it. And in the upper left on your PDF program, it says page two of 154. Uh, let's see. Young's testimony was dramatic, but not unique. Many participants in the attack on the Capitol acknowledged that they had betrayed their own country. Get to the part where that's Trump. First one, Reimler. And I'm sorry to the people of this country for threatening the democracy that makes this country so great. My participation in the events that day were part of an attack on the rule of law. Uh, uttered by somebody who doesn't know anything about law. Okay. Uh, Pert, I know that the peaceful transition of power is to ensure the common good for our nation and that it is critical in protecting our country's security needs. I'm truly sorry for my part and accept full responsibility for my actions. I'm just glad to be out of that criminal sewage hole you call a jail in D.C. where I couldn't exercise and uh, I was kept in solitary confinement and I was tortured and I was beaten. You can get anybody to say anything if you treat them for a year like Washington, D.C. jail treated these people for a year. Next, Markovsky. My actions put me on the other side of the line from my brothers in the army, the wrong side. Had I lived in the area, I would have been called up to defend the Capitol and restore order. No, you wouldn't have, because Nancy Pelosi didn't want it and Muriel Bowser didn't want it. My actions brought dishonor to my beloved U.S. Army National Guard. Witcher, every member, every male member of my family has served in the military and the Marine Corps, and most have saw combat have seen and i cast a shadow and cast embarrassment on my family in the name of that uh, uh, family name and that legacy okay so this they're getting the impression of attackers that they articulated probably during their sentencing hearing kissing the court's bottom whoopee see uh oh okay i'm on page three and there's the indented comments and look at the uh, uh third one up from the bottom oh for uh, fourth one up from the bottom garrett miller 
who brought a gun to the Capitol on January 6th, explained, I was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th of 21 because I believed I was following the instructions of former President Trump, and he was my president and the commander-in-chief. His statements also had me believing the election was stolen from him. Uh, that's your problem, Mr. Miller. He's never instructed anybody to bring arms to the Capitol. So the committee is desperate. Second one from the bottom. Lewis Cantwell testified, if the president of the United States is out on TV telling the world that it was stolen, what else would I believe? As a patriotic America who voted for him and wants to continue to see the country thrive as I thought it was. Okay. Oh, sure. Why would the committee have to cite the opinion of a bunch of people that were there who are not even talking about specific quotes from the president? It's all circumstantial and inferential. Inferential. Um, the last indented entry there. Likewise, Stefan Ayers testified that with everything the president was putting out ahead of the January 6th, that the election was rigged, the votes were wrong and stuff. It just got into my head. The president was calling on us to come to Washington, D.C. There's going to be a rally. Ayers <coughs> uh, was hanging on every word the president was saying. Ayers posted that civil war will ensue if President Trump did not stay in power. So what? It's, this is supposed to be about what Donald Trump did. And at no time did he say anything other than to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Isn't that easy? And we know that to bring criminal charges or to reasonably suggest that they should be brought, what did you do to discern uh, Donald Trump's criminal intent? I'd like to know all about that deliberation. To have probable cause to allege a crime, you have to have a reasonable belief that the person intended to break the law. I'm on page four, top paragraph. Look at the last sentence in that paragraph. Even key individuals who work closely with President Trump to try to overturn the 2020 election on January 6th ultimately admitted that they lacked actual evidence sufficient to change the election result and they admitted that they were attempting uh, that what they were attempting was unlawful now uh, how much do they know about the law so it's still their pen their opinion that they lacked actual evidence they weren't in charge of the evidence also out of cases that were filed over election results across the country, which court cases reached the decision on the merits? None. You can admit whatever you want. The fact of the matter is, it's been proven. There were thousands of illegal votes in a lot of different districts. And they'll never tell you that uh, in this report, I would bet. Uh, let's see, top of that paragraph, kind of. 
second sentence. For that reason, our hearings featured a number of members of President Trump's inner circle refuting his fraud claims and testifying that the election was not, in fact, stolen. Uh, there's a lot of proof out there. And it doesn't matter what those people, they might have been covering their own asses because of all the allegations that you're trying to overthrow the government. Well, even they admit they thought it was wrong. Get to the part President Trump believed it was wrong. Let's see. Oh, and they never released, uh, what is it, 14,000 hours of video to show uh, the cops letting people in. I read on the second paragraph of page four. This report supplies an immense volume of information and testimony assembled through the select committee's investigation, including information obtained following litigation in federal district court, appellate courts, as well as in the U.S. Supreme Court. Based upon this assembled evidence, the committee has reached a series of specific findings, including the following. One, beginning election night and continuing through January 6th and thereafter, Donald Trump personal, uh, purposely disseminated false allegations. The allegations were never decided on the merits. False allegations of fraud related to the presidential election in order to aid his effort to overturn the election and for purposes of soliciting contributions. These false claims provoked his supporters to violence on January 6th. It's not provocation. It would be incitement, if anything. So provoked is the wrong word. It's hyperbole. Uh, and to offer 20,000 troops so that nobody got hurt and there'd be no violence. How do you call that intentionally inciting people to overthrow the government when you offer everything the government needs to make sure nothing like that would happen? Doesn't matter. Number two, knowing that he and his supporter had lost dozens of election lawsuits, but not on the merits. And despite his own senior advisors refuting his election fraud claim and urging him to concede his election loss, Donald Trump refused to accept the lawful result of the 2020 election. Lawful? Show me the case that reached the merits. Then it's lawful. Rather than honor his constitutional obligation to take care that the laws be faithfully executed, President Trump instead plotted to overturn the election outcome. How? Simply by getting Michael Pence, if you have a position in this chain of ratification of the votes, it's a position that you should defend if you're confronted with misconduct. And if there was plausible uh, proof of election fraud from one state, two states, three states that were coming to Mike Pence with a bunch of their electoral votes, Mike Pence had an obligation to turn those particular states away. I'm not going to be used by these fraudulent states to ratify their votes. So Michael Pence thought his duties were to be a paperweight, a doorstop. That's all he was. He was just minding a turnstile and wasn't there to make sure it was abused at all. Wrong. You're there to accept things that are valid. Somebody comes to you with proof 
something in there isn't valid, you're duty bound to reject it. And all you can hear from him when he's interviewed is, you know, I had a, a constitutional role to play, so I did it. Yeah, he had a ministerial role to play, and that's to make sure that the office you hold isn't being dribbled like a basketball by a bunch of uh, corrupt deviates. Number three, despite knowing that such an action would be illegal and that no state had or would submit an alter an altered electoral slate, Donald Trump corruptly pressured President Mike Pence to refuse to count electoral votes during Congress's joint session on January 6th. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is good. Number four, Donald Trump sought to corrupt the DOJ by attempting to enlist department officials to make purposely false statements and thereby aid his effort to overturn the election. It was the fraudulent votes that would overturn the election. Donald Trump simply sought a review of whether or not certain amounts, certain quantities of votes were valid in light of the evidence he had against them. After that effort failed, Donald Trump offered a position, the position of acting attorney general to Jeff Clark, knowing that Clark intended to disseminate false information aimed at overturning the election. Uh, Without any evidentiary basis and contrary to state and federal law, Donald Trump unlawfully pressured state officials and legislatures to change the results of elections in their states. Contrary to law, if it was contrary to law, don't you think one of those 60 courts would have gone out on a limb to say, yeah, this doesn't break the law or this would break the law? But no, none of them did. Well, you filed your complaint too late. You filed your brief too early. You don't have standing. Somebody else has to sue. Uh, You aren't one of the states that are going to be damaged, so we're dismissing your lawsuit. It was all procedural default and standing. So no court decided anything. Uh, Six, Donald Trump oversaw an effort to obtain and transmit false electoral certificates to Congress and the National Archive. Seven, Donald Trump pressured members of Congress to object to valid slates of electors from several states. Okay, it's a whole bunch of Donald Trump laundry. I'm going to go back to the beginning of this document. Uh, By page six, you can see they they got into some nitty gritty. Uh, Let's see. 17. President, this is on page six, number 17. President Trump had authority and responsibility to direct deployment of the National Guard in the District of Columbia. Wrong. Nancy Pelosi is in charge of the Capitol's security. But he never gave any order to deploy the National Guard on January 6th or on any other day nor did he instruct any federal law enforcement agency to assist. Because the authority to deploy the National Guard had been delegated to the Department of Defense, the secretary could and ultimately did deploy the National Guard. Although evidence identifies a likely miscommunication between members of the civilian leadership in the 
DOD impacting the timing of deployment, the committee has the committee has found no evidence that the Department of Defense intentionally delayed the deployment. The select committee recognized that some at the department had genuine concerns, counseling caution that President Trump might give an illegal order to use the military in support of his efforts to overturn the election. Wrong. He sent a letter to Nancy and said, you're in charge of the Capitol's security. Would you like 20,000 national troops or what? And she said, no. Muriel, Muriel Bowser, mayor of D.C. Hey, I can give you 20,000 National Guard troops if you want it. And she said no. So look through all of this. I'm not going to do it on this call, but uh, see if they disclose that key fact. Let's see. I scrolled upward to number 14. Intelligence gathered in advance of January 6th did not support a conclusion that Antifa or other left-wing groups would likely engage in a violent counter-demonstration or attack Trump supporters on January 6th. Intelligence gathered in advance did not support a conclusion that there would be violence. Indeed, intelligence from January 5th indicated that some left-wing groups were instructing their members to stay at home and not attend the January 6th. Ultimately, none of these groups was involved to any material extent with the attack on the Capitol. There's a lot wrong with that because two days, I think it was like 48 hours before January 6th, there was a reassessment of security at the Capitol and the head of the Capitol Police, I think, raised red flags. And uh, there's rhetoric afoot that would lead me to believe that uh, uh, there's going to be trouble. Anyway, I want to see that point where they say we we declined the 20,000 troops. Something else. The next page, seven, executive summary overview of the evidence developed. The big lie that the election was stolen. This is very educational. You could cruise through here at your leisure. It's not really the stuff for uh, reading verbatim. It goes on and on. However, uh, fascinating. As you read through this, you'll know sense or no doubt since many uh, efforts to skew, skew the truth to get around. I wonder. I'm going to go back to the top of this document. Control F. National Guard Groups. I'm going to do a search. Bottom of page 56. Uh, let's see. 1.25 p.m. the afternoon. Bottom of page 56. Uh, the Capitol was under attack. Last paragraph. Not long thereafter, as thousands of Trump supporters uh, from the speech continued to arrive at the Capitol, the Metropolitan Police Department declared a riot at the Capitol. The same time Capitol Police 
Stephen Sund informed the DC National Guard that there was dire emergency on Capitol Hill and requested the immediate assistance of as many National Guard troops as possible. Okay. And that's the only mention of National Guard troops. That's the exact search I just did. Now I'm going to do a search for 1,000. He said he authorized 20,000 troops. Page five at number nine, tens of thousands of supporters. Um, page six, thousands of his supporters. Page 21, thousands of votes. Page 44, thousands of very upset people showing up in Washington. So what if they're upset? Get to the part where they're violent. Can't do that. This is just Congress. And thousands of others purposely remained outside the magnetometers or left their packs outside. Page 50. That's not thousands of troops. Uh, many thousands would not pass through the magnetometers. Okay. And then page 51. He pointedly expressed his concern about the thousands of attendees who would not enter the rally. Um, page 51. I'd love to have if those tens of thousands of people would be allowed. Uh, then page 55. Uh, against intrusion broke in the face of thousands of armed rioters, thousands of Trump supporters, tens of thousands of people. I'm looking for thousands of National Guard troops. Where do they say in this that he offered National Guard troops and that they were turned down by Nancy Pelosi and by Muriel Bowser? Tens of thousands of supporters, thousands of angry calls, page 120. There, nowhere is the word thousand mentioned in this document next to or near or relating to National Guard troops. It was in writing, a letter to Nancy Pelosi, a letter to the mayor of D.C. Would you like 20,000 National Guard troops or what? No, thank you. <clears throat> Who would offer 20,000 troops to cut to ribbons anybody you had conscripted to perform an insurrection for you against the government of the U.S.? They'd be reduced to meatloaf, hamburger by the National Guard. Nobody would do that. And you never heard him say more than the election was stolen. And then in interviews since, uh, I've heard him say a minimum of six times, they're destroying our country intentionally. They're destroying our country. But he's always left it up to what somebody else is willing to do on their own. And personally, they're doing exactly that, in my opinion. They're intentionally destroying the country. What's a country? A country has borders. We don't have borders, so it's not a country. And anybody and their monkey can walk across the southern border, and they're going to be treated like a king, except the first month they have to sleep on the street 
but they're opening up hotels to them, putting up tent cities and cell phones and debit cards and uh, toothbrush and toothpaste and probably blankets. And they're taking over hotels. The government is commandeering hotels to put these people in. When plenty of them, I'm sure, are going to smear their feces on the walls. Plenty are not literate. Plenty are criminally insane. And it's going down by the tens of thousands every month. (laughs) Can't stop it. Arizona, uh, hey, uh, what do you say we take a bunch of those steel shipping containers like they use on those ships from China and stack a whole bunch of them along the border and put razor wire on top of them, make our own fence, our own barrier. And they did that, and the Biden administration sued them, saying you're trespassing on federal land with your barrier. They intend to destroy America. And what comes along with that? It's really first. What comes along with all that? Danger to women and children. They're letting anybody in. MS-13 and any other gang member that wants to come in. Fentanyl uh, traffickers. There's enough fentanyl in America to kill everybody once, two, three times. When they get to mass distribution of that fentanyl in, uh, let me see, a female cop just in the last couple of weeks was inspecting a vehicle. Uh, I think it was an empty vehicle, but she inhaled fentanyl. It comes in granules that are smaller than a grain of salt. And she inhaled a little bit and had to get the overdose drug, Narcan, to keep from dying of it. And they got enough in the country to kill everybody two or three times. What if it goes in the in the uh, ventilation system or air conditioner at a shopping mall, at a basketball arena? There, there's 30,000 dead people. Isn't that easy? What if, uh, what if I walk down this buffet in this restaurant and just squirt a little bit of fentanyl here and there? People in the restaurant die. Put it on doorknobs. They come into contact with They don't have to breathe it in. If they just assimilate it through their sweat on their hand, dead meat. And the border's still open. It's a weapon of mass destruction. People are not overdosing on it. They're being poisoned with it. They think they're taking something else, and there's fentanyl in it. That's not an overdose. Last year, 107,000 Americans died from it. They're going to pass that this year, if they haven't already. So it's intentional, and you have half of Congress that is so low, they would do this to somebody with no criminal intent. And they sent him for a referral to the Department of Justice 
for uh, uh, insurrection and plotting to do this and conspiring to do that when they couldn't issue a traffic ticket correctly. So there's nothing to be proud of in any of this. It's the first document in the chat for anybody that visits this uh, recording. I've recorded this, so it's going to stay here. And uh, to yourself, ponder, did Congress have probable cause, reasonable suspicion to believe that President Trump intended to break any of those laws? Peacefully and patriotically have your uh, voices heard. Make your voices heard. And uh, told the governor of Florida, find me 1,100 votes. He didn't say, hey, let's do it this way. I got a bunch of blank ballots in the trunk of my car. He didn't do anything with criminal intent. And I've seen enough evidence that I believe that election was stolen. There's three states where if 40,000 votes had gone the other way, he'd have won those three states and won the election. But they never got to the evidence in any of those court cases, like 60 of them. It was all procedural default. So uh, nothing's been said about the January 6th occurrence that means anything. Yours truly was an insurrectionist at a house party by a bunch of track and field athletes. We did way more damage to that house than was done to the Capitol. And there were only like 30 of us. <laughs> you know? So farcical at best. And uh, I don't know, if I find some spare time, uh, right now I got a couple of really big incumbent tasks to master but uh go through this and uh and find more stuff and i have the luxury or the uh bad fortune of being trapped here with the radio all day so i hear news and i hear news and i hear more news so uh let's see i'm on page 12 for a capper page 12 of this document third paragraph Barr, that's William Barr, Attorney General. Barr then told the Associated Press on December 1st that the department had not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election, end quote. Next, he reiterated this point in private meetings with the president both that afternoon and on December 14th, as well as in his final press conference as Attorney General later that month. The Department of Homeland Security had reached a similar determination two weeks earlier. Quote, there is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised, end quote. I beg to differ. What was all that stuff that Mike uh, Lindell had about China hacking the vote county by county? and a bunch of others, uh, Dinesh D'Souza and the uh, 2,000 mules. Mark Zuckerberg puts $419 million into early harvesting of ballots with uh, boxes and mail-ins. And Department of Homeland Security 
said this. Uh, is that the Department of Homeland Security that's in charge of, in charge of the border? Uh, yeah, I trust them. William Barr, isn't it a fact that 18 U.S.C. 241 prohibits a conspiracy against constitutional rights? And William Barr sits down in his office and looks at the fact that uh, James Comey and a couple of others falsified applications to the FISA court for uh, surveillance warrants uh, against Carter Page of the Trump campaign. Well, he had constitutional rights against unreasonable seizure and constitutional rights to privacy. And these guys conspired to relieve him of those rights. And they did it with a false application for a warrant. And Bill Barr doesn't think that violates the statute that prohibits conspiracy against rights. So screw, screw Bill Barr. He was on the Hill to make sure that Donald Trump got nowhere in whatever he tried. And that's what Bill Barr did. He just sat on his ass while crimes were committed all around him. And then he weighs in. I got an idea. Shut up. Just shut up. So anyway, have fun, be fun. These are the things I like about America. And uh, it's it's as ugly as I've seen Congress be. I wasn't really tuned into the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings, or that might not be accurate. But it's the it's the worst I've seen out of Congress is the January sixth committee. So uh, you probably in this report won't see them get into real specifics about vote counts in a couple of uh, real key states. And uh, it's inferences at best in a lot of places. And in other places, it's, it's blathers kite. They're just flapping their gums. So, hey, everybody, thanks for hanging out with me on this Wednesday. And Chris will probably be back next week. And uh, that'll be on Zoom. So I look forward to that. I'll be here Saturday, uh, be right here uh, Saturday, talk to you 59615 at noon Pacific, like I was today. Or no, I was here at 4 Pacific today, excuse me, it's Wednesday. I'll be here Saturday at noon Pacific, and I look forward to that, and I'd love to hear any of your thoughts on uh, this executive summary and the January 6th thing, now that we have it in our hot hands. This has been No Confidence for December 21st of 2022. In three days, I turned 65 years old, Christmas Eve, 2.39 a.m., whoop-de-doo. I feel like I've still got a spring in my step in a lot of days, and uh, I'm settling down in a couple of ways, so uh, it's not all doom and gloom, but uh, I'll be back here on Saturday, and I'll give you updates if there are any to be had on the civil case in Hawaii and the criminal case in South Carolina. Till then, have fun, be fun, enjoy yourself, enjoy somebody else. Uh, don't break any windows, but have you, why don't you throw your own insurrection in your house? And you see how really very easy it is. It's only gonna take one bottle of tequila and your house is gonna end up looking like the Capitol.
So no, it wasn't an insurrection. It was a joke. I know because I was a community college student and track and field athlete. <laughs> I speak from experience. Take care, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.